Welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. My name is Austin Chadwick and co-host is Chris Lucian. And today we are excited to have Kevin Rutherford and Giorgio Cerrone on the show. Uh, we got some awesome topics lined up, including uh, reflection rhythm with ensembling, uh, tracer bullets being their whole process, and uh, refractoring once they see the bigger picture. Um, but before we jump into those topics, uh, let's uh, have each of you introduce yourself. So starting with you, uh, uh, Giorgio, please. So I'm Giorgio. I work as a, a tech lead inside an ensemble. Uh, we ensemble mostly all of our time, unless we are learning something on the side. And I'm in this role, which is a cross of writing code, but also management skills. So caring about code, but also process and people. Nice. How about you, Kevin? Hi, I'm Kevin. I, I'm an XP coach and extreme programmer. Uh, I've been writing code professionally since 1982. Uh, I guess I probably introduced ensembling into Giorgio's company um, a couple of years back. And I've spent some time since then uh, messing with Giorgio's team. Right on, right on. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's jump right into it. So maybe uh, let's start with this one first, the reflection rhythm. Why, while you all are ensembling, uh, yeah, what, what comes to mind here? Do you want to take this, Giorgio, because I think it might have been your idea? Uh, I have to give the credit to the staff engineer that works uh, uh, with me uh, in the ensemble. And uh, this came up first uh, as a way to get at what is in other people's heads, to uh, put it bluntly. So the idea is that after each driving cycle, uh, for us it's whenever we commit and push something new, but could be something time-based for other things, uh, someone uh, will come up with the question, how was this cycle? Uh, maybe they start by asking the driver, or if there was an explicit navigator, they would ask the navigator. And uh, the ball will go around to get uh, everyone's perspective. You might learn small things with this. For example, as a driver, I wasn't sure which navigator to listen to. It was a bit confusing. Or I needed the low level navigation or high level navigation because I knew what code to write. I just needed uh, an understanding of the group consensus. Or in some cases, especially when you introduce uh, new team members or the composition of the ensemble is changing a lot, you might learn harder stuff. If there is the safety to support that, people might say, I found the last cycle difficult, uh, or I feel like I raised this, but we just lost over it and moved on. So it gives a space for uh, these kind of comments to come out, and uh, uh, you tend uh, to look and peek into what someone was thinking or what are their emotions right now. Because if they just go silent for a bit as we proceed to commit, you're not sure whether they just want to step back or whether there is actually a problem in there. And we care a lot about psychological safety. And this is one of the way to keep problems in the small, keep, uh, make them come out soon rather than having someone build up grudges for hours. Nice, nice, right on. And how, how often do you uh, typically commit uh, and do this uh, reflection? Uh... If it goes well, uh, we might commit every 10, 15 minutes uh, some cycles are longer. If we see that 
we are going into a very long cycle, we might find ways to switch uh, sooner rather than later. It's not always necessary to ask this question. Sometimes uh, you are taken off by uh, writing tests and making them pass, and there is a good momentum to the team you don't want to interrupt. But especially when uh, someone has just joined or uh, uh, you're catching them up, uh, you're sure they're following uh, or they have different ideas of what you should be doing. Uh, there is a good ramp up where we over ask uh, and then if we see that uh, the rhythm is good, you need to think less about uh, uh, the, how the, pe the people are fitting in as uh, they just lose themselves into the work. They go into the state of collective flow, right? Right on, right on. Yeah, and uh, maybe how did you all uh, arrive at this way of uh, this this rhythm of because uh, you know you think about uh, retrospectives or reflection, and uh, I don't know, just taking a wild guess, but if you ask most teams, it'd be on like a weekly uh, cycle or maybe daily or something like that. Uh, so, how did you all arrive at this style of uh, reflection? So right right from the beginning with this team we were doing daily retros mm. and it, and that's something I do with every team I coach because it's a great way to accelerate the learning and also accelerate the team forming process um, and dialing up the team's sense of experimenting on themselves so, so right from day one, we'd been we'd been doing daily retros, and so there was already a reflective attitude within the team. I think it just felt natural to occasionally increase that to several times a day, mm. and what we found was it started to smooth out some of the misunderstandings and it gave everyone an opportunity to feel they were influ influencing the the minute to minute process more mm. yeah yeah i could definitely see that um yeah how would you yeah so i guess that's a big contrast uh, between kind of the daily, right? So if even you know, especially a week, right? So if you have something you don't like about what's going on, <laughs> and you're holding on to it for a week, that's a long time to hold something, right? <laughs> it reminds me of uh, uh, this analogy I heard once, where uh, when you walk around life, uh, you could be carrying around baggage, and it could be like I think someone illustrated with like bricks, literally being like velcroed to themselves. And the more you're carrying, the more harder it is to go through life. And I, I, I could see it being harder if you're just kind of holding these uh, longer and longer. Uh, yeah. How about you, uh, uh, Giorgio? Do you, have you seen what differences have you seen between kind of like a daily, weekly cycle versus more at like the commit uh, hour to hour, minute to minute level of reflection? <laughs> There's always different cadences, right? That's the uh, maybe the way to call them. So in something like a commit cycle, we might. Uh, pick out on explicit behavior. I, I might even say about myself, oh, look, I told too much into this one. Uh, I had this comment, 
it was an emotional reaction. I didn't want it to come across badly. And uh, when you do something like a daily cycle, I usually have notes by the end of the day uh, here that say, hmm, I think I'm seeing a pattern. I might propose this as an experiment for the next day. And recently we had some cases where we will see even larger patterns like uh, too much refactoring accumulating as post-its on a board. And uh, that would be something that we will put down the tools uh, and uh, stop uh, the word and every couple of weeks to again look at the pattern that we couldn't see into the single day. So there's no right cadence for me. It's uh, I agree with the uh, let's turn up the feedbacks, the feedback and get the cycles as short as they can. Sometimes there are things that happen across days, and so it's also useful to. Uh, to look at those. Sometimes there are things that happens in minutes and you will just forget about them and you need to get the feedback right there. You know, there's, a, there's a useful tip there actually that 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 arose in, in Giorgio's team as a as an experiment suggested at one daily retro one day, which was um just keep a just keep a piece of a pad of paper by your side during the day and jot down anything that you think might be useful to raise at, at the end of the, of the day at, at Daily Retro. And everyone in the team has found that really useful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we had, uh, I've, seen, I've seen teams that, you know, do the weekly and, and the daily. And then uh, we also had a few teams that did uh, in, inside the timer, right in the, in the ensembling timer, we, we uh, go for, through a full rotation or two, and then and then do our show there too. Um, and that that came out pretty interesting as well. But I like the idea of doing so after a commit because it gives you this, uh, you know, it, it's a natural breaking point, I guess, rather than than an artificial one. So so the timer will kind of get you looking at things every 45 minutes or, or so. Um, but it also can, you know, I, I think there's arguments for both. So the interesting thing is if you're if you're going on for too long before you commit, then, then a, a retro 45 minutes thing might <laughs> alert you to that. Uh, so, so those are both pretty interesting things. Um, and then the frequency of which and, and the duration um, are also interesting as well. Um, are there, do you have any examples of things that the team caught in a commit level retro that they may not have, have changed in a daily or weekly retro? I think because we start with how was that for you, driver? We, we, we get immediate visceral reactions to how the navigation went. And so we do, we, I mean, just within the course of Tuesday this week, we, we changed navigation styles several times during the day. This is a relatively, the, 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 there's sort of new people in the team. And so there's still some uh, forming and norming going on. And, and sort of to expand on that, since Giorgio's team came up with this idea, I've used it with every other team that I've uh, introduced ensembling to. 
So it works great as a as a teaching technique because after every commit, every 10 minutes or so, we're dialing up the learning. And to a team that's new to ensembling, that question, first of all, how was it for you, driver, is a is a reflection point and a learning point. And it's an opportunity to assuage people's fears. One of the things that you, you guys probably hear this all the time as well is people who've not tried ensembling, there's a fear that, hey, I'm going to be coding and everyone's going to be watching me and the pressure is really high. And I don't want to be in that situation. So after every cycle, just going, how was you, how was that for you, driver? Very often the response is, it was nowhere near as bad as I expected it to be. <laughs> and then the second question, how was that for the navigators? Everyone is then thinking, well, how, how did I behave towards the driver and how did we communicate with each other? How did we share ideas? So it's it's a fantastic teaching technique. And even if that retro takes 10 or 15 minutes after 10 minutes of coding, it's worth it because over a few days, that team really gels because they're understanding each other's points of view. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. You're kind of, uh, there's that classic graph in software engineering, like, oh, if you catch the problem at the early stages when it's small, right, you know? <laughs> and so I, I think there's something going on that with collaboration as well, is it's much easier to handle at the beginning. And one thing that jumped out to me to what, what you both do in your ensemble uh, that I found fascinating is we, we also do that in um, our ensemble uh, where we retro and reflect several times throughout the day. And one thing that I've struggled with is what question to ask to kind of kick it off. And I heard you, you both ask a different one than I've never asked before, which seems kind of almost obvious if you're an ensemble is like, how was that for you driver or you navigator, right? Uh, we usually will ask different questions, but um, is the question you ask always the same or does it, you mix it up and, you know, where do you get your questions from? Or is it, you know, sort of uh, improv? Um, and then maybe after that we'll uh, transition topics, but I had to get into that one last question. <laughs> I guess there's an informality to just asking, how was it for you to mm. let more things emerge? Mm -hmm. uh, now, in formal retros, you might want to come up with a suggestion, you want to fix uh, the process, and that's not exactly uh, the, the same thing here. So you're allowed to say things such as, I feel nervous about this test that we are writing because of such and such, and it doesn't require anyone to follow up, you're just sharing your state. So I found that uh, having a very open framing helps there. Uh, I got another question that I usually ask when I'm a driver instead, uh, also to kick things off, which is, uh, I used to ask, what would you like to do next? And I came to think, uh, uh, looking at other, 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 how other people do this, that it's a bit aggressive, because we might not be ready to, to know what to do next. Uh, we might need to look at where we got there. Uh, and. Uh, to look at the options and so on and so on. So now I ask, what do you want to see on the screen? 
which uh, is very concrete, very physical. It's literally me changing windows and sharing my screen since it's so remote. And it tends to be uh, less demanding of navigators to immediately come up with, uh, with a certain anxiety on what to do next. So there are certain standard questions that are emerging, yes. Great. All right, well, uh, you know, in the interest of time, it might be good to move on to uh, the tracer bullets being our whole process topic. So what, what, what were you thinking there? So I, I contacted uh, you guys after your July 18th episode, which was one of your 15 minute episodes in which you two were talking about uh, red-green refactor or refactor red-green refactor and and you were you were zipping across what I thought were really deep topics really quickly and one of the things you mentioned was tracer bullets as being a technique I think introduced by the pragmatic programmers um, and I, I was listening to the to your podcast while I was doing something else, hanging out washing or gardening or something. <laughs> and I immediately listened to it again to make sure I'd heard you right. And, and because it struck a chord with, again, something that um, we, we, we introduced in Giorgio's team around the turn of the new year, um, which was a much greater separation between the red green and the refactor um several reasons all all of which kind of came together over a, over a few a few weeks um one of which was we were finding that the team was spending a long time refactoring sort of perfecting code and 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 um not not necessarily enough time focusing on delivering value. So we created this kind of cadence where the team would commit to delivering a, a piece of value in half a day in the morning. And they were and it was perfectly okay to bulldoze that in. And then spend the afternoon refactoring away anything that any smells that, that have been introduced or anything that had slowed them down. And that afternoon time was um, uh, protected by prior negotiation. So, so the management, the product owner, nobody was allowed to intrude on that time. It was. If, if you give us this amount of time to deliver value, you have to give us the same amount of time to then refactor afterwards. And so, so that agreement created this sort of half-day cadence. So the idea was every morning was we write a tracer bullet, we build a tracer bullet so that at lunchtime we can ship to our users and start getting feedback. All right. And whilst that feedback is being gathered, then the team can tidy up the mess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so it's that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I think the 
in that episode when we were talking about tracer bullets, I, I'm thinking I was uh, it might have been in reference to microservices tracer bullets, like expanding a diagram of the entire, but but the idea of of putting something forward and 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 using that to collect uh, information that reminds me a lot of uh, almost lean startup, right? So yep. lean startup, they you know, um, especially you know, when talking about uh, identifying, you know, the growth engine and getting good, you know, good feedback and, and things. So, uh, you know, I think the lean startup book would, would advocate for, for that behavior, uh, you know, basically getting things out there, um, test driving, it leaves you in a very good position to refactor. Um, and, you know, and, and, and typically when you test drive something, you, you can even take multiple commits and deploy those to production, depending on how easily it is to get your pipeline all the way across. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, I like the idea. Um, and you do, you get feedback uh, during that period of time. And, and there have been many cases where we did a half day release to production. And then in the second half of the day, we got feedback. And then by the, by the end of the day, we had another iteration out um as well so so those are um pretty good things so so with this you know you, i think you were saying that you know there, there might have been some concern about uh the time you know basically being at risk because the product owner says okay let's move on to the next thing uh and i totally get that that's entirely possible um how did it work out like uh did you find that you were getting feedback that you could react on faster because you did that in the morning or what was what was the end result of changing the behavior this way? One of the important things that happens when you have a daily cadence is that you are forced to uh, slice all of your stories and your tasks. So there's no there's never been estimation, but uh, you get the classic no estimates pattern of this story is too big. I'm going to slice it and make it smaller uh, and. Uh, I'm going to slice it even more until I think it can fit uh, in alpha day. And uh, uh, that helps a lot. And uh, the tracer bullet metaphor, sometimes they call it as well, the, the searchlight going across the layers of like the cake uh, or of uh, uh, whatever you're looking for. Uh, it's important to touch everything, to go from the UI to the database, uh, not to necessarily just uh, do something inside the user interface. There can be risk in the other layers that you don't address. And of course, you don't want those invisible slices that are not uh, changing the outside world. So I like the, the bullet metaphor in the sense of touching many layers and all the places that are needed. Uh, the devil is in the details with this idea for me. So on one hand, you have this time-based uh, uh, cadence and so there can be anxiety where uh, I need to get this done uh, by noon. It may be that you explicitly say it's fine if we go over, we'll try again tomorrow, or we'll have another day of uh, cleanup time if this turns out to be one day, one full day of bulldozing. But in the minds of people, they might uh, try to push to not write the test and just fiddle with something in the UI because bulldozing in bulldozing anything is just is justified right so th there has to be some emphasis on process 
to keep in the good practices, even if you are deferring the, the refactoring. I, I like the time-based view because it forces you to prioritize what's most important to refactor now and let go of other things, let go of the other imperfections. But I do see the anxiety in people uh, where uh, they think that they need to do absolutely anything, that anything is allowed in order to get this value out. But uh, today, as a concrete example, we started writing regression tests for things that weren't covered. And uh, if we had in our mind, just put those, put those, put those, that wouldn't have worked. We would have written the failing test first and deferred everything else. If you have a perfect day, uh, full free mornings, free afternoons, then uh, it works very well. When uh, uh, there is uh, the need to start working in the afternoon because you're coordinating with someone external, or there are lots of meetings cropping in, then the time tracking become more difficult. So there is in the details. Yeah, yeah, I really, uh, I, I love the terminology that's coming out of this conversation. So, cause it, it kind of, it's a jiving with my experience. So this idea of like test-driven bulldozing, you know, like, uh, and, it, and I find it very valuable because uh, if you just bulldoze, that's a very high risk activity, right? You might have added value, but destroyed someone else's value from last month, right? Uh, and, uh, but all, there is value to a bulldoze, right? Because I've seen it, you see it um, kind of in the interactions with uh, your customers, whether they're internal or external, in that if you're like, oh, uh, we're refactoring for the next week, leave us alone. Like that, that isn't really... Uh, that's that's a harder. Um, you can maintain that relationship, and sometimes it's justified to maybe you know do something really uh, some important refactoring that's needed for the next thing, right? Um, but um, the ability to bulldoze is like, oh, here's a here's a new thing, and we'd love your feedback on it. Like that really helps that relationship, kind of some some kind of daily or frequent delivery, and then that also helps the communication cadence uh, be at a higher level, right? And then that also helps the relationship. And then what it also helps the team as well, because when uh, you bulldoze and you find out that something is valuable, they're very excited to refactor and clean it because they know it matters, right? Uh, I've seen it before where people in Ensemble start to check out because we're, we're not even sure what's valuable yet, but yet we're refactoring it or, you know, we're refactoring for something that we don't know is valuable yet. And so... Um, it, you know, like if we're kind of clearing the deck for some coming forward. So I, I've been liking that cadence. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's fun. You all have seen as well. Uh, one follow-up question I have is uh, the way you phrased this topic was uh, tracer bullets is our whole process. Uh, does it apply more to, to uh, code and delivery or is there another angle at which tracer bullets uh, metaphor applies for y'all? <laughs> uh Probably not. It's probably just careless phrasing. I think. <laughs> I, I, I think it. I think it's just the idea that um, this cadence create created a very clear mm. separation between two kinds of working. Yeah. And another aspect of it is that it created a very clear distinction between prioritization and slicing. Mm. So the, the product owner would queue up valuable features that she wanted in the product. And it was up to the developers to slice off 
doable pieces. Mm-hmm. So two different roles doing two different things. And that created a, a really interesting dynamic as well. So it, it, it does, once you introduce the idea, it does expand outwards across the whole life cycle, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And, and I guess I could uh, maybe take what you all are doing and apply it to a larger scale. So even if you are doing, uh, let's say, more of a people experiment or change, right? I feel like a tracer seems like a good thing to do, <laughs> right? Like make a change quickly, you know, through one thin slice of the system and see how it is, right? So if, you know, there's six teams or six ensembles and there's this idea or way to work differently, well, let's do it with one team and see how it goes for them, you know, tomorrow, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. As opposed to uh, let's change everyone all at once and let's plan it for the next three weeks and then we'll see how it goes, you know? <laughs> Yeah. You're right, and that's so with with my with my coaching hat on. Yeah. That's how I approach large organizations. Is mm. I'll say to them, "Give me your best team, and we'll make them into the team that everyone else wants to be, mm. and then everyone everyone can learn from that." Nice. Yeah, it, it's it's the it. it you're right, Chris. It's the whole lean startup thing. We don't want to invest too much in unproven ideas. Nice. All right. Uh, well, uh, tra- transitioning to our next topic, uh, refactoring when we can see the bigger picture. So I, I think they go together very well. What were you thinking there? So again, th- this 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 came out of that. Um, that episode you did on July 18th and, and is very closely related to what we've just been talking about. Um, very often, so we, we actually had this conversation in the ensemble today. Um, is, it, is it better to refactor everything to the, to the nth degree before you write the next test? Or is it sometimes better to let some smells pile up so that you can see how they relate to each other, so that you can actually design a more complete solution with more information? Yeah. And I, so I, I, um, last month I wrote a, a, a blog post saying... Um, I think it was called what's your favorite code smell because and and for me it's shotgun surgery because when you get to the end of building a feature if you then look back across all the things you've had to change that gives you a really um a really good view of the coupling in your architecture and your design and you now have enough information to be able to say okay all of all of these things were coupled together and now i've added this feature i've had to change them all so they're all coupled even more let's see if i can re-architect so that that change could have been put in in one place and you literally can't do that until you've got to the end 
So the whole red-green refactor microcycle, I think sometimes it, there's a danger of spending time perfecting stuff without complete information. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about how much refactoring is too much or, or, or unit testing and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of the things that, that we common, commonly talk about within our team is things like the scout rule, right? Leave the campsite better than you found it. So, so refactor only a few things as you're just passing through, right? But yeah, shotgun surgery is a great example of, you know, where you would see that. And, uh, and that's also kind of the refactor, red green refactor idea, where it's like, if you see it's going to take shotgun surgery and you're just adding the next one of a set of items, then maybe you can see that beforehand, but, but maybe you can't. So, so it's, you know, is there an opportunity for a design pattern up front? And then, and then if not, or we don't see it yet, or it's not clear, then make the change. And then at the end, you know, do that again, you know, especially if you're slowly accumulating more and more instances of the same sort of change. And so, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, a lot of like test until you're bored and, uh, you know, I like the zombies testing, just like thinking about the different cases, uh, you know, um, as you go, but, but not going totally overboard or, um, and especially like if you see people writing tests for things that would already pass, even though it's already covered, right? It's not a true triangulation of that test, I think is also a, a key thing to think about there. Um, so what, you know, given, given that, uh, you know, refactoring when we can see the bigger picture, um, you know, and, and anxieties around time and things like that, like how did it affect the team uh, you know, introducing that, you know, basically kind of delaying, you know, bigger scale refactorings until having to deal with the pain of, of doing the change without the refactoring. I think uh, we are doing something that would be rather difficult in a physical, uh, physically collocated team uh, because of the friction of uh, creating post-its and moving them around. So on our digital board, we routinely collect uh, the smells that we have been creating or the things that have slowed us down or the tools that are not up to date. So there's a continuous collection operation uh, so that when we've moved on two hours from now, we are in some completely different area of the code. We still have a memory of uh, uh, what uh, our shotgun surgery has touched. Uh, and that's very important because otherwise you might have a recency bias where you tend to clean up the last thing you have been working on. So if it has to be evidence-based, collect the evidence to see the larger patterns. Um, when you mentioned uh, uh, when refactoring is too much, the XP rules of simple design came to mind. And uh, uh, that might tell me something about when to refactor early too. When to refactor early, because you think about things like, should this call pass all tests? Yes, it should. Am I representing the concepts that we're talking about in the code? Am I, uh, am I removing duplication? Am I keeping the code minimal? And sometimes these uh, blunt questions uh, turn into something that can make your life easy 
if you solve sooner rather than later. Uh, today, I saw a clearly uh, misnamed test because we renamed uh, uh, some code in the test file, but we didn't rename the test file itself. And that immediately threw me off and I couldn't read the, uh, the output of the test itself. And now we are in a team, so someone else will correct me, great. Uh, but bad naming, uh, when it's clearly bad, rather than being just imprecise, uh, when there's something that is clearly wrong, uh, something that I will put in the ballpark of the small red-green refactoring cycle. Because the danger you have with piling up uh, the, the tech debt is that the cognitive load becomes very big, and suddenly you need to prioritize between 10 post-its and decide which one to do first. And there's an overhead to do that. And uh, uh, they might look like they're of the same importance because they are all similarly sized post-its, but actually there's one that is huge. Yeah. So uh, there can be, yes, an anxiety in uh, seeing too many things propping up. Uh, some things you address in the small, some things you have to address later when you have seen the larger pattern in the same way as you got the feedback after a commit or after a daily retro or after a bi-weekly meeting. So yeah. uh, no clear rule, right? Yeah, and that's what I love about, uh, this is such a nuanced and interesting problem. And uh, I almost feel like there is this uh, window refactor spidey sense that's hard to describe. <laughs> that, especially if you're as an ensemble, I think, uh, I've heard it before where like if you're playing a video game and you're discovering the map and it's all dark and you're kind of discovering as you go. And the, the great thing is about sampling is you have, you know, let's say four people each with their own refactoring spidey sense, discovering the map together at different parts of it and kind of shouting out or sharing their discoveries as you go. And so, you know, in this question, I've done it all. I've done the very micro cycle where we clean up literally everything as we go and it's worked great. Sometimes it hasn't worked so great. Sometimes we've done something in between where we're refactoring a little bit as we go, but leaving some uh, debt behind because we're going to finish this tracer. And then uh, more dramatic examples of bulldozing for a significant amount of time uh, because it was needed. And we were like, oh yeah, I think we, we, don't, we, we can just kind of feel in the moment that we don't see clearly enough to refactor yet. Um, and so it's a the classic, it depends, I suppose, <laughs> uh, situation. But uh, I, I, I suspect there's there's um, part, part one of the forces at play may be to do with one's familiarity with design patterns and architectural patterns. Mm -hmm. And the more the more confident we are that we understand those patterns and can and can wrangle them easily then it's less it creates less anxiety to leave more of a mess mm -hmm. Be because we know we have the 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 strategies to get out of it and and we've practiced that in the past yeah it's interesting that uh, you bring up this kevin as uh, it might be one of the advantages of having a team with uh, di diverse levels of seniority, because the spidey sense uh, of uh, the more junior developers might lead them to them seeing the obvious things, the ones that as a senior, you might just uh, brush under the carpet because 
you know you can solve this, you know it can come back later. But actually it's been slowing you down every day for weeks and you never get around to it and they still have the, uh, the capability to see it uh, with their eyes. And you, you don't because they are just normalizing that you think you will do it later. Yeah, we've definitely seen that just in the last few days, haven't we? The, 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 the range of experience in your team leads with, with, the, with the retros after every commit. We're, we're getting that, that, that range of, of perspective on the code we're creating and different people's anxieties triggered at different levels of problem. So it's, it's, it's really interesting how, how everyone's contributing at their own level of experience, but that's adding to everyone else's um, benefit, I suppose. And sometimes it's specialist rather than experience as well. So if you are in a complex CSS situation where... Uh, I don't understand how things are playing out on the page. I'm, I will be the one that asks the stupid question. Shouldn't this be simpler? Or uh, is it okay to have empty leads or uh, whatever else? All righty. Well, uh, we are coming up on time. And so I wanted to make sure that we asked if there was anything that you wanted to plug or share be, uh, before we close out the show. Um, we'll start with you, Kevin. Uh, well, I mentioned my blog earlier. Uh, it's called Habitable Code, and it's on Substack. And obviously, it's a great read. <laughs> and the other thing, I guess, is um, I run a, a, a group called XP Manchester, which until COVID used to meet on the second Thursday of every month in person. But now we meet on the second Thursday of every month virtually. So we had our meeting today at breakfast time and everyone's welcome. You can find it by following me. And then how are you, Georgia? Uh, I uh, don't have current uh, public projects uh, to share, so I'm okay with that. All right. Okay, well, uh, for all of our listeners who uh, may know somebody that um, uh, maybe could... Uh, use a little bit of direction with their uh, refactoring process or or maybe um, the process improvement for the team is too slow and, and missing things because of that cadence, uh, maybe uh, recommend this episode to them so that you can, uh, you know, so that you can share this knowledge. Uh, and then, um, you know, with that, uh, please leave comments about how you feel about anything that you heard here. And, and we're happy to take up the discussion in the comments. And until next time, uh, like, subscribe, and we will see you all later. And uh, Giorgio and Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. Bye, everybody. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank you.